Welcome to the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast from the Institute of Transportation Engineers. Each month, we'll bring you conversations with thought leaders in transportation on the future of the industry. Thanks so much for joining us on ITE Talks Transportation. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. Our guest on this month's podcast is Roger Millar, the Secretary of Transportation for Washington State DOT. Secretary Millar was one of the speakers at ITE's annual meeting in July in Austin as part of a panel looking at mobility as a service, a topic we're going to focus on in today's episode. Secretary Millar, welcome to ITE Talks Transportation. Thank you for having me on. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking about mobility, so why don't we start off with just a general comment about mobility. And when we talk about mobility, obviously it's more than just moving cars. It's also about transit, pedestrians, bicyclists, scooters, and much more. How has WashDOT tackled the challenges that come with mobility to maintain a multimodal and integrated mobility focus? Well, uh, you know, the Washington State DOT has, has been a multimodal transportation agency for a lot longer than many of the state DOTs. And, uh, you know, in defense of the DOTs in general, you know, one of the things I've noticed as someone in this business for about 40 years is that some of the best thinking on multimodal transportation and the best implementation of multimodal solutions uh, is coming from state DOTs around the country. But, you know, here in Washington State, if you want highways and bridges, we got them. But uh, (laughs) we also run uh, the largest ferry fleet in North America, second largest system in the world. Uh, We move 25 million passengers a year. It winds up being about the third largest transit system in the state of Washington. Uh, We also run the nation's largest van pool fleet. Washington State has more van pools than than anybody else. We uh, at WashDOT support uh, transit systems around the state, both urban and rural. Uh, with grant funding and technical assistance. Um, We are very involved in active transportation. Two years ago, I set up an active transportation division in the Office of Multimodal Development and Delivery. Yeah, we're, we're doing a lot in the multimodal space, and it's, again, our mission as an agency is to move people, goods, and services. It's, it's not to move cars. Now, a lot of the people we move, move by car, and uh, and we take care of that. But uh, I think we've become a, a multimodal agency, and uh, that's our mission as we see it, and that's, uh, that's where we spend our, our time and our resources. You talked about how Washington State has been a leader in mobility in comparison to some of the other state DOTs. One of your other roles is a leadership position within AASHTO. So what's your assessment of where state DOTs are in general on making the transition from being builders of infrastructure to becoming mobility managers? You know, I I really do think the states are leading the country. There are a number of of cities, large and small, that are doing some really innovative things. But if, if you're looking for innovation in development and delivery, if you're looking for innovation in transportation system management and operations, if you're looking for innovation in applying technology to multimodal transportation, it's it's in the DOT space. My colleagues around the country are, are doing some amazing things, and it's it's places that you, know, you really wouldn't expect. Uh, the Wyoming DOT is doing some cutting-edge work applying uh, technology 
in uh, vehicle to infrastructure communication to make Interstate 80 safer for truckers in, in bad weather. We here in Washington are uh, making our express toll lanes available to bus rapid transit in a way that gives uh, people who ride our public transportation system, one, schedule certainty, and two, the knowledge that if they ride the bus, they will get to work earlier or they'll get home earlier than they would have if they'd driven alone in their car. So, you know, I, I think if it's Vermont or Tennessee or Minnesota, Michigan, there are agencies all over the country doing really, really cutting-edge stuff. You mentioned how some cities are doing some innovative projects. As a state agency, Washington State DOT has to deal with all sorts of areas, uh, from large cities like Seattle, smaller cities, and, of course, many rural areas around the state. How do you collaborate with local agencies on mobility issues, and is there a difference when you're dealing with different parts of the state? Oh, you know, absolutely. One size doesn't fit all. Um, one of our strategic goals is inclusion, and a part of that inclusion goal, I mean, we're, we're talking about uh, demographic diversity, we're talking about citizen participation, and we're also acknowledging uh, as an agency that one size doesn't fit all, and that, you know, a solution that might work in urban Seattle is not going to work um, in the Okanagan up in, in north-central Washington or or out in the eastern part of the state. Uh, another thing to remember about agencies like the Washington State DOT is while we're headquartered at Olympia at the state's capital, we have offices and staff in every county of the state. And uh, we understand the state because we live there and we work there and our kids go to school there, we own property there, we you know attend church in every community in Washington state. And one of my goals as secretary is to make sure that the people who live in our communities, you know, our employees who live in our communities, uh, their voice is heard as we develop projects and, and that the, the entire community's voice is heard. You know, I've been at this for you know, a little over 40 years as a professional and if I've learned one thing, is if you don't do things with people, they assume you're doing it to them. And if you get into a situation where a community thinks you're doing something to them, uh, you deserve what you get. Uh, we try as hard as we can to do our work with the communities we serve. And something that we've been doing under my watch, we call it practical solutions, but it's making the right investment at the right time you know, for the, the right purposes. Uh, quite often, They'll have a solution in mind before we fully understand the problem. So our team will go into a community and ask and try to understand with the community a little bit more uh, what the problem is that we're trying to solve. And then the solution may not be what everybody initially expected the solution to be. Uh, when we first started doing that, people were, were surprised. They were concerned that, hey, we wanted an interchange, and you're, you're asking us questions about the problem. We find out that maybe an interchange is overkill, and all we need to do is put in a roundabout or something like that. Having those conversations is, is making a difference. You mentioned that you've been working in this field for some four decades or so. How have things changed when it comes to mobility from what it was like when you first started and what you're seeing today? Well, you know, when I first started, everybody was just beginning to make the transition from being uh, departments of highways to departments of transportation. And I actually spent, you know, most of my career in local government and in the private sector. I've, I've had two jobs at the state DOT. I was a research assistant at the Virginia Department of Highways and Transportation back when I was in college. 
Uh, and then I've been secretary here in Washington State. But, you know, we were, as an agency, as an industry, we were very highway-focused, very car-focused. We were right in the uh, the middle of the Earth Day founding of the EPA. We were beginning to get into the environmental aspect of what we do. Um, it was right at the beginning of the, you know, the freeway revolution, you know, people protesting uh, highways being built, and, uh, and then we started getting into rediscovering public transportation. So, you know, a lot of stuff has changed. The technological changes um, have been, you know, continuous, but we've seen in the last, you know, five, ten years a real resurgence in private sector interest in the transportation space and the application of new technologies to transportation to mobility. And, and, and that's been a substantial shift. Well, obviously, mobility is important, and that's the focus of what we're talking about today. But safety for any transportation agency is the number one priority. How does WashDOT ensure that improving safety remains a top priority while also trying to improve mobility? Well, first, you've got to recognize the actual data behind mobility and safety. You know, we talk here in Washington as we talk all around the country about the impact of congestion on the economy, the lost productivity, the delays in traffic. We've estimated that in in Washington about, you know, it's about three and a half billion of uh, economic loss a year. And that's significant. But when you look at the fatalities and serious injury accidents on our highways, the economic consequences of that. Now, each each death, each injury is is a individual tragedy. But when you you look at it from a, a an economic perspective, it's costing the state eight and a half billion dollars a year, which is over twice what congestion is costing us. So, understanding that fact and communicating that fact, you begin to align resources with solving problems. One of the things we've done, again, our practical solutions focus, is we have revised our project development process completely. And while we have a design manual, our design manual is very process-oriented. It's designed to allow our engineers to use their judgment as they develop projects and document the decisions that they've made rather than giving them a series of tables to look up solutions in. And our project development process is focused on the highway safety manual as opposed to the design manual. So our engineers and planners are actually using safety guidelines and and safety information and a safety-focused process to develop the projects that we deliver every day. I think most of us who work in the transportation industry understand the importance of mobility, but I'm curious about the public and lawmakers. You having to deal with them and to inform them of what's going on. Do you think that they generally understand the importance of mobility and what's involved with it and what needs to be done to maybe increase their knowledge of mobility issues? You know, I think everybody understands it from their personal perspective. What are they seeing over the handlebars of their bicycle or out the window of their bus or through their dashboard as they're driving to or in fro or, or not, as, as the case may be? Our job as transportation professionals is to articulate the larger vision beyond everybody's individual stories. You know, Washington State is a very trade-centric state. 
we have over a half a trillion dollars a year of our economy is in the trade sector. It employs 1.4 million Washingtonians. Getting that information out is hugely important. There are three trillion-dollar entities in the world, and two of them are headquartered in Washington State. So transportation and the economy is something that we're constantly talking about, and the fact that we're moving all those goods and services over a landscape that's not particularly conducive to transport because we have lots of hills, we have lots of water, we have earthquakes, we have volcanoes, you know, you name it, we've got it. It makes it difficult to, to move stuff. So we're talking a lot about the economic consequences of mobility. We talk about the quality of life consequences of mobility, that for our community, transportation and housing are inextricably linked. People used to drive till they qualified, but that was predicated on a limitless supply of cheap congestion-free transportation, and we don't have that kind of 1960s mobility anymore. So the congestion we see is really a symptom of a lack of affordable housing near where people want to be. And so we're talking a lot in the mobility space about the link between housing and mobility. We're talking a lot about the link between mobility and health. Certainly, you know, crash statistics are one thing, but air quality and water quality and then physical activity are, are huge. And The other thing that we're telling people about and beginning to get a a broader understanding of is the link between access to transportation, access to mobility, and equity, that access to opportunity is on our transportation network. And the working families of Washington State, too much of their budget goes into the uh, care and feeding of fleets of automobiles. So we're trying to give people choices about how they get around so that they can get to good jobs and so that they can use their hard-earned money for better housing or education or health care, vacation, saving for retirement, you know, things other than car maintenance. You talked about the importance of affordable housing. Is there anything that a state agency such as WashDOT can do to address an issue like that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. A big part of housing affordability is mobility. Um, If you are in a house that you can afford to be in, but it's too far away from work to be worth, I mean, is is that quality of life? Um, Is that affordable? Uh, We have a, a number of people, a number of families that have gone out on the weekend with a realtor and bought or rented a place out on the fringe of town. And, and then it's time to go to work that Monday morning after they've moved in and they realize it's taking them way too long to get where they need to go. you got 24 hours in a day. If you spend 8 to 10 hours of that working and hopefully 8 hours of that sleeping, you've got 6 to 8 hours left for everything else that you do. Do you want to spend most of that time with uh, those of us in the DOT or do you want to spend it with your family? So what we try to do is provide mobility solutions that allow people to consider um, you know, housing with fewer cars in the family. So maybe rather than being a two- or three-car family, you can be a one-car family or even a, a zero-car family and still be able to, to get around. The ability to get around is something everyone needs. If we as a transportation agency work with our partners in local government and the public transportation community in the, in the private sector, the mobility service providers, to give people choices, uh, it gives them uh, more flexibility in the, in the housing that they choose. 
Secretary Millar, you mentioned at the top of the podcast that Washington State DOT has been a leader when it comes to mobility issues. Part of being a leader sometimes means being an innovator. How has WashDOT been an innovator when it comes to mobility? Well, we, as an agency, uh, we innovate in a lot of ways. Uh, we innovate in our capital projects, and you know, we have four of the five longest floating bridges in the world. We have the largest diameter deep bore tunnel in North America. We've always done stuff in the, the capital delivery space that's been innovative. But increasing the last uh, 10, 20 years, we've gotten very innovative in system management and operations to provide multimodal mobility. We have 300 miles of high occupancy vehicle lanes. Uh, the system in the central Puget Sound is is extensive, and we're doing uh, HOV down in the Vancouver-Clark County area across the river from Portland, Oregon, and elsewhere in the state. We, as I said, have the largest van pool system in the United States, and we built that van pool system uh, at the DOT, working with local partners. We provide uh, Washington State Ferry Service to the people in the Puget Sound. For for many communities, it's the only way to get around, and for others, it's an option that is attractive and multimodal. You can leave your car at home. And we have been looking at um, ways to manage our transportation system, the physical assets that we have, to provide people with more choice and greater mobility. We have an extensive ITS system with sensors all over the place, uh, loop detectors, Bluetooth sniffers, LIDAR, radar, cameras, the like. We know what's happening on our system. We're able to tweak the operation of our system at our six traffic management centers to um, you know, respond to things that are going on. We have uh, extensive investment in incident response. We're working with uh, the state patrol and local law enforcement and local emergency services on a virtual incident response network in the central Puget Sound that will actually link our incident response to our traffic management response. Um, and we're, we're making investments in things like uh, variable-priced express toll lanes that give people the option, if they choose to take it, of paying a toll and getting there faster. Um, but that express toll lane also provides the capacity for us to move more and more people uh, via uh, bus rapid transit and express bus. Uh, you know, on I-5 today, approximately 30% of the people who are moving on Interstate 5 during the commuting hours are moving on 1% of the vehicles because they're out there on very full buses. We've been talking quite a bit today, obviously, about Washington State, but there's this other Washington on the other side of the country where they've been talking quite a bit about an infrastructure bill and reauthorization of the FAST Act. What do you see as the most pressing needs at the federal level beyond just money, and how do you see the role of the federal government in transportation going forward? Well, you know, money is the issue. When you know, we built Interstate 5, and Interstate 5 uh, was 50 years old uh, in March. We celebrate, or May rather, we celebrated its 50th anniversary. When we built Interstate 5, we built it uh, 90 cents of every dollar spent on that project was federal money. Today, federal money is about 20% of our budget, and that number's been going down. So we're, we're hoping that uh, the federal government will join us in funding transportation adequately. That said, as the funding becomes available, we're hoping that they will continue to provide the states the flexibility they need to address their individual circumstances. Uh, Washington state circumstances are different from Oklahoma's circumstances, which are different from Ohio's or, or Tennessee's. 
So, you know, one size doesn't fit all at a national level any more than it does at a state level. So we're, we're hoping to see more funding. We're hoping to see funding flexibility. We're hoping to continue to see innovation coming out of the, the professional ranks of the Federal Highway Administration and the Federal Transit Administration. There's some great research going on. There's support for some great pilot programs. We'd like to see more of that happening. would really like to see as, you know, we shift from being just developers and deliverers of innovative capital projects. Uh, we're moving to being stewards of a transportation system. We'd love to see the federal money become more flexible so that we can use it in operations and system management. Last month on the podcast, we talked with Sam Zimbabwe, the director of Seattle DOT, and we chatted a bit about the Alaskan Viaduct Project. It's one of the largest transportation engineering projects taking place in the United States currently. How did WashDOT manage such a large-scale project, and could you give us an update on how it's working? Hey, great. Yeah, I'd be happy to, and I'm glad that you were talking with Sam. He's a great partner in all of this. And the way uh, we have managed these large projects uh, effectively and as efficiently as we can is by engaging our partners. The WashDOT is the lead agency. Um, the facility, the viaduct is our facility. The new tunnel is our facility. But we developed and delivered that project in partnership with the City of Seattle and the Port of Seattle and King County Metro and Sound Transit and other partners, including uh, you know, obviously a large private sector participation. So it was great to lead the project. It was great to bring it in. Uh, you know, Obviously, we had some problems with the tunnel boring machine, but we got the job done close to being on budget. And given the, uh, the delays uh, in a timely manner, we're tearing the old viaduct down now uh, as rapidly as we can while being uh, safe about what we're doing and uh, not shutting uh, the downtown down while we do it. You know, much of what we do today we do under traffic situation and we need to keep uh, the traffic flow moving you know, to and from work, to and from the cruise ship terminals, to and from uh, the industrial port uh, while we get that business done. So we'll get the viaduct down this year. Uh, the city uh, is rebuilding Alaskan Way for us. Uh, we have a contract with them, and we're looking forward to seeing the partnership continue and uh, open the waterfront up and give uh, the citizens we serve, again, more mobility choices in the central city. Obviously, there's a lot going on in Washington State when it comes to transportation. We've only been able to scratch the surface. But I want to thank our guest, Roger Millar, the Secretary of Washington State DOT, for being the guest on this month's edition of the ITE Talks Transportation Podcast. Secretary Millar, thank you. Oh, thank you for having me.